What is up, guys, and welcome to the Maximum Potency Podcast. I'm your host, Lissa Scott, health coach, CrossFit coach, and online entrepreneur, and I'm here to talk about health, fitness, grabbing life by the horns, and doing everything we can to live at maximum potency. Through a combination of solo cast and interviews, you will be hearing from health professionals, entrepreneurs, athletes, artists, and people who are taking life and running with it. Oftentimes, you'll hear me tell pieces of my story or interview those who have ditched the traditional 9-to-5 setup in pursuit of something that feels a little bit better for them. So if you are interested in creating a life you love, feeling better in your body, developing habit and mindset practices, doing a little bit more adventuring and traveling, you're in the right place. If you are someone who is hungry for growth, pursuing greatness, and ultimately hope to have a life that is a true expression of the real you, you're in good company. Welcome and thank you for being here. I am so happy and could not be more stoked that you found your way to this podcast. Hey guys, what is up? I am here with Rick Alexander. He also has a podcast. That is how I found him. Rick, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to get into this. Absolutely. I am too. So Rick is an author, speaker, educator, and he helps people find their meaning and live a life that is more meaningful and exciting because they're super clear on their goals, on who they are, and on their purpose. And so we are going to talk about how we knew it was time to pivot in our careers in what we were doing with our lives. But before we do that, I have a couple questions for you, Rick. So guys, Rick is in Colorado and that's just exciting to me because the world does never ceases to amaze me the way that we can just have an interview with someone in Colorado today um, on the spur of a moment. So first question for you today, are you ready for this? It's really yeah. random. If you had a billboard, the whole world could see, what would it say? Ooh, right out of the gate. First thing that I would say to everybody in the world that would never know me by anything else other than these words. You know what I would say? I would say, um, this was out of my second book, so I didn't exactly make it up or on the spot, but I would say that uh, who you become when you realize that nobody is coming to save you is who you were always meant to be. Mm. Unfiltered. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Okay. Now I want to know. What is one of the main things that you teach? Like, give me one your next bullet point after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, okay, so I think one of the main things that I teach is self-awareness. Um, I think that that, if you wanna do anything in this world, at least it, at least what I've realized is like, it's you have to have a good understanding of who you are, what you bring to the table, where you, 
what you lack, what your shadows are, like all of the different parts of who you are. And then you can go out into the world from there. I see a lot of people, myself included at the beginning parts of my journey, I was like really cared about changing the world and I didn't necessarily have the ability to change myself. And so that becomes, that there's becomes this like cognitive dissonance that occurs. And so you're like trying to do something that you can achieve within yourself. And so I teach self-awareness just because I think that is, that is the basis from which anything else in your life is going to come or not come. What is one measuring stick that you would tell someone to use or think about um, to assess their level of self-awareness currently? Well, I think that, you know, the world definitely does have uh, quantifiable ways that we can, that we can measure this kind of a thing. Emotional IQ is certainly one of them. Uh, one of the things that I do with my clients is I actually have them take personality tests and then I have their closest people like confidant partners, whoever also take that same personality test as if they were them. And so then what you can see is, oh man, there's some disparity between maybe how I see myself and how I show up or how I want to show up and how I actually show up. And so by starting to identify what those gaps are, you can start to close the distance and you can start to author your own existence a little bit more. You start to author how you're going to show up in the world. I find that most of us really leave that up to chance. We don't really, we don't really sit down and plan who we're going to be in this world. And so we end up sort of being this other thing. We kind of take a lot of good opportunities and people are always telling us like what we should do and what we should value. And so it's really hard. It's really hard to figure out how to push those aside if you don't know what it is that you value. And so oh, I try so to, true. yeah, so I try to start like there so that we can, like what, first of all, let's just say what's important to you. Because the truth is, I think that if most of us had a magic wand and I was like, here, wave this and it will give you whatever you want almost all of us would make ourselves miserable within six months. We don't know what we want. Oh, we want our own trap kind of thing. Yeah, totally. I, trap. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we don't know. We, I think that we, we kind of get, you know, first of all, uh, instant gratification is something that we want. Pleasure is something that we want. And oftentimes pleasure comes at odds with what we want long-term. And so there's just a lot, there's a lot more nuance to it. I think that most people don't want the things that they actually want, but because they've never gone after them, they just don't know that. And so they stay off in the distance. It's this thing, this life they could maybe have one day. And the truth is it's not the life they want. And the second truth is they're not going to get it. Right. They're not going to get it by chance. Yeah. Um, okay. It's so good. It's like the life you think you want when you get it and it's not the right one. That is when you pivot. Right. And so so we both into that, but before into that, will you tell me about your morning routine? Because I'm just currently so fascinated with them. Yeah, with morning routine. So um, it's interesting, you know. I think that we so we work in a interesting field, like you and I. I think because there's a lot of people that profess to have a lot of answers, right? And uh, when you start to think about success in any given area, whether it's fitness or business or entrepreneurship or whatever. You know, one of the tendencies is to say, okay, well, if this is what success is, let me, let me start figuring out what are all of the hacks to get there? Like, what, how could I get there quicker, right? Like, that's what we're kind of, that's what entrepreneurism is, entrepreneurialism is really built on in the 21st century. It's like, how do we do this quicker with less effort, with less time? And so I think that 
the morning routine is, I think it's incredible because it does set the basis for your day. I also think that just because somebody else has a really elaborate morning routine doesn't mean that that's what your psyche and personality really needs. So I just want to start by saying that because I found myself doing like Tim Ferriss's morning routines, like follow Jocko and all these people. So I, I found myself doing those and like, um, they made me miserable. So, uh, that, I agree. That's just, I'm like, less is totally more. Like I, I always say if it takes longer than 20 minutes, you don't need to do it as a morning routine. So I'm super curious to see what you're going to say. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so my morning routine is it centers around stillness completely. Like once I get up, I, I, uh, I started my show called morning coffee. And the reason I call it that is because what I would find is every once in a while in the morning, like you would, I would have conversations with somebody and it doesn't really necessarily matter what the conversation is, but before I've allowed the world to kind of invade my thoughts, if I can just plant these little seeds, I find that down the road, maybe later on in the day, they blossom into something else. They kind of take your thinking into new directions that you wouldn't imagine. So I really value stillness in the morning and being able to plant these, what I like to call like philosophical seeds, just ideas to see, uh, you know, how, how other people might live. So currently what I do is I do uh, a review of some wisdom text. So right now I'm in the uh, Bible's New Testament. Um, before that, I was doing the Bhagavad Gita. Um, I just kind of like in the morning, I like to make my coffee and I like to sit down and say, what did all these people who are trying to figure out what the hell we're doing here think about the world? Uh, and that's, that's basically what I do. I, I do that for about 20 to 30 minutes every morning and then I start writing. Love that. Um, so it's stillness, but it's also feeding your mind something that's a little bit more substantial than an Instagram feed, a lot more substantial. Oh yeah. So that's actually an important thing. I actually don't allow myself to check that. Um, because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want the world to push their opinions on me or their agendas on me. I want to, I want to like take that time. I mean, we've, we rarely, I mean, you think about in our minds we're we're marketed to 4,000 times a day. Um, I've, I've heard it even higher than that, just in random occasions throughout the day. So people are constantly always trying to vie for your bandwidth and attention. And that's even more so in the world now, which is so loud. And so that time where you actually have all of your bandwidth, I try to protect it for as yes. long as it'll last. Yes, yes. Um, how are you liking the New Testament stuff right now? You digging it? I am digging it. I'm really, really liking it. I'm finding that me coming back to it after having, um, so I was raised in a, in a pretty, I would say dogmatically Christian church. And um, I really fell away from that and like had to find my own way. And I think um, the understanding in, of the world that I have now, reading it from a more open position, I'm finding, uh, I'm finding deep, deep wisdom in it. It seems almost yes. like one of the best playbooks that you could find to, for how to live a good life. I am circling back to it after a long time away from it as well. And I'm just like, I literally feel like I'm drinking from a well in the morning. Mm. Okay. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And the kind of good that you're like, wow, I needed to hear that today. And the timing has just been unreal. Like yeah. playing a little Bible roulette, you know, what do I need to hear today? And you just kind of start reading. You're like, wow. Uh, so that's super cool to hear that. I feel like we're similar in that way that we've kind of, we were narrow, we were wide, and now maybe it's becoming even a little bit more narrow, but in a good way, um, in a way where you're like, this is what resonates with me. And so I love that. Totally, love that yeah. So, much. so when you're doing that, how do you, um, how are you pulling it apart and finding, 
Like, what is your process? Is it just to read and reflect or like I journal? Yeah, so I'm doing um, actually a study with two girls, uh, just oh, cool. the three of us are following someone else's study. It's called Seamless, and it's basically understanding the Bible as a chronological story instead yeah. of like, we've been taught from Matthew, and we've been taught from Job, and we don't know how these pieces fit together. And so all three of us walked away and walked back, if you will. Uh, so it's been really cool to be on the same page with them. But then also after that, I'll find myself just flipping the pages and just, oh, this looks interesting. Mm -hmm. And so just spending that time after I've already quote unquote, like learned something factual or really done that like mind work, but then to actually just do the soul work and be like, wow, this is really speaking to me. I needed to hear this. It applies to that. And for me sitting without a pen and paper so that I'm not making a to-do list and I'm not like sitting there going okay well I should share this on social like just yeah, yeah. in the backyard with the study book and the bible has been so awesome so yeah cool yeah it's really interesting to hear totally and I think for people that are like you know I mean everybody has their own things like you you introduce the idea of religion to some people are like whoa 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 um what I think is interesting is so religion um the word itself the religio so to reconnect to re-ligament so so it's to actually uh that I think reading the Bible as if it were one long story like that allows you to reconnect all of these. It's like a, it's like reading a poetic drama of human consciousness sort of emerging from the, all of the chaos of humanity. So in the animal kingdom. And so for me, like, yeah, that, that's all I'll say. It's yeah. incredible to read it yeah. as well. And then even the Psalms, you know, yesterday I read Psalm 51 and I literally wrote down in the margin, did I write this? Like it has been such a more authentic and maybe it's because I'm reading the message. It's in like the current vernacular instead of like the they and the thy and the all of the old that's terminology. Too, though. Yeah. I think so too. It just feels so much more real. I'm like, oh wow, this is actually pretty relevant. And it's something that maybe as a kid I dismissed as irrelevant. It's just so interesting to come back to it with a more adult mind. And I'm sure that'll happen again in the next ten years, which is so cool. You just keep so, learning and building. So um yeah that brings us back to how we want to show up and how we have both pivoted so will you tell me or your I guess career story in a nutshell and sort of the pivot that you've taken and then we can talk about how you knew it was time to make that pivot yeah sure so I spent 12 years in the military in a special operations capacity I was special operations combat medic um and it was an incredible career and I I like joined it for you know what's fascinating is like throughout time you think about the kind of person this is what i've been reflecting on i was actually writing about it a bit this morning but you think the kind of person that wants to do something like make it through a selection or join the military and go see the world you know you get to a certain point and i think a lot of us experience the reason i'm saying this a lot of us experience this in careers where there's something that draws us there but then that something isn't necessarily present anymore and so then we find ourselves in a position looking around and be like how did i get here and so for me, I was in an office kind of feeling my soul die under fluorescent lights. And I was thinking like, how am I, how did I get here? And it was just the realization that, yeah, because the person that like wanted to leave your hometown and go try this thing that had really big odds of you not making it, like the person that wants to just put their hat in the arena and just try because that seems to be what we're doing here, isn't the same person that's like content to um, sit in an office between the hours of nine and five. And so giving myself 
and this is the hard part, giving myself permission to continue to be the person I've always been and not trying to relegate and subjugate my personality to be the person that I think the world expects me to be now. And so that was the hardest part. And I'll say like, even when I did know that it was time to pivot, I didn't because I, I looked around for advice and the advice that everyone tells you is like, I mean, you know, everyone wants the best for you and they don't know how to give you advice. So what they do is they tell you what they think they would do if they were in your position. And mm -hmm. they don't even know that they're doing that, right? But that's what they do. And so people tell you, like, you've got to take the benefits. This opportunity is good, too good to pass up. You know, and then there's this idea in the military that once you've been in for 10 years, like, we got finished. You got to do that other 10 years just to get a retirement. And I just remember thinking, like, why is all of the advice that I should do a job I don't want to do for 10 years? Like, what, oh, what has yeah. hijacked our thinking that makes that seem like the responsible right choice? Answer. Right. And, um, you know, in any way, I basically, I allowed the, those reasons to hijack my, my mind and I, I re-enlisted and I literally 12 days after I re-enlisted for four more years, because they offered me $100,000, uh, I regretted it. And then I, that was actually great because I started this long road of pulling apart like why and like what, how, what had transpired. And that's a great thing about these like rock bottom emotional moments is you can they've broken you open. So use them, stay open and ask yourself the really pertinent questions to why you got there so that you don't end up back there. Mm, yeah. And you have clarity on a place that might not be the same. Sometimes, sometimes you basically try the same thing again mm. because you don't have that clear why you're like, Oh, you know, maybe me going to work for corporate America, that'll work. Cause I don't like the military, but in a sense, you're going to end up in the same position in a desk at a job from nine to five under fluorescent lights, even though it's a different, it's the same. Right, and so right. you, you actually repeat that experience. And I think that when you stop and have those conscious moments of like, what about this experience is not the right thing for me, or what about this experience would be needs to change in order for me to feel more aligned or better, or just it be in a better headspace on a daily basis, all of those things they're so crucial. And I think that we overlook them and just messy action, try something different without stopping to figure out what that difference should be. So super, super good stuff there. Totally. Um, after the military, after the military, where did you do? Yeah. Uh, so one thing I just wanted to say is I, I would, the importance of, I never had a meditative practice when I was in the military. Definitely not. Right. Like that's <laughs> definitely not. Can't be <laughs> and, that guy. Right. Right. And, um, which is funny because, you know, what I never understood is what a meditative or contemplative practice, and I would say prayer, there's really no difference, um, actually allows you to do is to pull yourself outside of your current situation and like just receive knowledge from a different vantage point, a different perspective. You have to understand you've been looking through these eyes your entire life and your, your mind has been the paradigm that's shaped your mind. It, that's the same mind that you're using right now to make decisions. And so that's why oftentimes when we get reactive, like we just make poor decisions because we're using the same decision making process that landed us there. When in reality, we need to pull ourselves outside of all of the things, like all the ways that we're thinking about ourselves and just ask like, what else is true from a different vantage point? What does this look like? And then you can start to uncover new perspectives for your mind. Uh, but I will say, I, even okay so i learned this lesson re-enlist get to the end of this enlistment 
And then uh, I get an offer, a job offer, right as I'm heading out the door in the military from the State Department. Basically, six-figure salary, doing the same kind of job as a medic, and tons of travel, tons of status, and no hit in lifestyle. And so then I had to, like, that became really difficult because I, I had to figure out why am I leaving this job? And then why, based on that reason, should I take another job that's very, that's very similar, you know? And at the end of the day, I pivoted in my job because I felt that there was a shift in my value system that had taken place and I needed to learn to prioritize other values. And, uh, and so I realized that if I would have taken that job um, I, you know, I would have essentially been sort of living in that same value system. Um, mm -hmm. I went on a, I went on a, on an adventure. It was like three days out in the wilderness with nothing going on. And, you know, if you can actually like get away from everything, like have no screen at all for after about two, three days, like things change for you. There's like this dramatic internal shift that happens and you all of a sudden feel like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to feel like as a human being when my attention isn't being hijacked there every two seconds by someone's agenda. And in that moment, I realized, you know, I looked back at my life and this is something I think that's important for anybody to do is like, look, you might not know what you want, but like, what are the themes that keep coming up in your life? What do you keep being drawn to? What do you feel like just keeps ending up in your economy in some way? And I just, I realized like, man, I've always been the writer. Like I was that weird kid in sixth grade writing in my room. Like I've just always been that kid. Um, and so then I, I realized in that moment when I was sort of broken away from everybody telling me about all the good deals I had to take and stuff, when it was actually just me, I, I kind of reflected on what do I really want? What has my life been up until now? And I realized like, okay, it's time. It's time to do the thing that I think I'm here for. So good. That means though so that good. you have to sort of push, push off that the shores of comfort and safety and, um, just go for it. Yeah, I think we all have that moment too, right? There was people in your life saying, don't pass X up. And you go to those people and you say, I'm going to do Y. That's a whole nother hurdle, especially if you're young, especially if you're 20, 23, 24, right out of school, you haven't done your job for that long that you said you were going to do, right? There's a whole thing to that. Um, how did you navigate some of that? Or did you just feel so sure that you were like, I don't care? I did feel so sure at the center of my being, however, that all my edges still really liked validation, right? Like mm -hmm. getting money and status and like there was a certain allure that I had in telling people that I was special forces and all these different things that I had to kind of contend with and just sort of let die, which was probably the toughest part. And I think when people make big transitions and they they find that they want it, they curiously want to go back to this thing that they hated or wanted to leave. And oftentimes it's because, yeah, because you're not, you're not allowing the parts to die that need to, right? You just, you have to let go. Sometimes you can get wherever is meant for you. Um, but, you know, I actually faced a different thing, which is like, um, you're in your thirties. Like for me, I was like, just turned in my thirties, you know, I was 31 at the time. But everyone's like, you're, you know, you're in your thirties. Like you, you're, this isn't start over time. Like you're doing the thing, you know, keep going, keep making more money, keep like, right receiving validation in all the ways we like to validate you. Um, so it was actually more tough for me to say like, okay, so if I do this and it doesn't work at all, nobody likes my writing. Like I don't make it, I can't pay for my life and like, I, whatever. It's like, well, that's okay. Like I, I had to, but I had, life. yeah, but I had to like make, um, I had to like make peace with that in some way. 
Yeah. Sorry, it was like glitching for a second. What was the last thing that you said? Um, yeah, so, so for me, I just had to like look at, okay, so what is worst case scenario here? And then can I accept that? Can I live with that? And it's like, yeah, definitely you can. Right. Because, you know, everyone, the thing that people don't ever understand is like all of the businesses that you're looking, all the success stories you're looking at, they're like standing on a mountain of failures. And, um, yeah. you know, the overnight success that you see, it was, I'm a firm believer that it was 10 years in the making before you saw it, yeah. you know? I love that. It's so true too. Um, even small victories, there's usually three or four small failures behind them. I mean, I'm not even talking about, oh my gosh, look at this crazy business, but oh my gosh, I have 10 clients or whatever. Well, how many people did say no to you for you to get those 10, right? There's such a game. Life is such a game and I love it. I love that there's, there's that element of like whatever you give more energy to, um, it will flourish. It's just a matter of time if you just keep playing that numbers game. And so I just had to say that because you just conjured that up in my brain. So that's after... the realization I've lived, I've, I've come to is that like, if you really want it in 2020, like you can do it. I, I'm, I'm so yeah. sure of it. I, I like don't want to be that like follow your passion person, but like at the same time, it's like, but if you actually want it, you, you can have it. You know, you just have to be willing to go without all of the things. Like you have to pay whatever the price is. And that's what we actually get hung up for is paying the price of whatever our values are actually asking us to pay. So true. Yeah. I know something as simple as just not having benefits. People are like, oh my gosh, you don't have benefits. This is crazy. And right, totally. it's really not that crazy to me. It's like, what would be crazier is to be in a job that I hated every day, right? Right. Benefits for what? For your life that you hate? Like, what are we talking about right now? I think we have to, <laughs> we have to get like really clear on that so that we don't end up, yeah, making all these decisions for benefits and then realizing that, that the life that they benefit, we don't even want. Exactly. So it's always interesting to see how that goes um, and how it plays out in each scenario and people, they're going to spend it, they're going to go for it. So Writing was a thing that you were pursuing, not coaching, right? Right, right. I sort of, um, I've always been a coach. And so, uh, and I was also an instructor at the Bud Schoolhouse. Um, so basically like for a four or five year period, anyone that uh, wanted to be a Navy SEAL or SWIC like had to go through the pipeline that I was an instructor for. And so I really did learn to love that process. I learned to love like the mentor coaching process. And so I started coaching originally as a way to um, fund my writing. So I sort of like, mm -hmm. basically I, the way I set my economy up is I would write about these ideas. Um, like I would write about psychology and, and personal development and then I would uh, coach people in the ideas that I was writing about. So that's how I started. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is so awesome. How did you develop that first curriculum or that first writing? Um, I don't necessarily know exactly how I started it. I do know that when I was out in the um, wilderness on that experience I told you about, I had a moment where I sort of looked at the sky, uh, as I do, as one does, and I, I said, um, I, I had this moment of like a visceral, okay, I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to follow the passion. I'm going to, whatever I think I might be here for, I have a hint of, I don't really know. Anyway, I'm going to go in that direction. And 
it, I instantly felt as though the way to do that was to was to do what I said, which is, um, and I had already been writing on this book idea on the side, and and I realized like how yeah I don't know the idea just sort of came to me, and it didn't come to me once until I fully committed to the path. Um, do you know what I think is beautiful about that? Hmm you didn't sit down and go, all right, let me do some market research. Let me figure out what my audience wants. You just like created and birthed this thing, this idea that you felt called to, that you felt like you're supposed to be talking about. And then you found your people. Totally. So interesting. Cause that's not what, be, it's not necessarily what's being taught. So that's really, yeah. really cool to hear you say that. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, I didn't do any of the like normal business stuff per se. And I'd say, in fact, like most of my business succeeded in spite of my like lack of business. Um, not that I didn't understand a lot because I'd been in that world, but I, um, you know, as far as business principles go, um, but it just wasn't the concern for me. The concern was the message. The concern was the, what I was doing. It blows me away in the best way. That's awesome. So can we build a list for the audience of, uh, it might be time to pivot if dot, dot, dot. Can we build that out? Hmm. Definitely. Okay. Do you want to start with one or you want me to start with one? Uh, I'll start with the one that we talked a little bit about pre-show because this has guided me a lot in my life. And I, you know, look, sometimes you, you get the idea to pivot or whatever. And I like to talk about on my show that it's sometimes that's pre, pre-articulation, pre-verbal. You don't really know why or what. And like, you don't have a good reason and you're not going to be able to satisfy the people that want to know. Um, and so ask yourself though, if you don't, then what becomes of you, right? If you don't mm. make this pivot, then who do you become? For me, as soon as I asked myself that, I, I just had this instant picture of me waking up in 10 years and hating my life. And I, and so if you think that that could be you, I would say, yeah, it doesn't matter what, like it doesn't necessarily matter what the reason is, like that has to be good enough. <laughs> it does have to be good enough. I actually was thinking about that the other day with moving, you know, I was like, I've been talking about moving for 10 years and then I blinked. And if I don't do this soon, another 10 years is going to go by, right? It could just be that sense of urgency too is a big oh, indicator that you need to do something when you have that urgency for sure. Um, another one for me was just like, if you're crying, I'm like the happiest person, one of the happiest people I know. And I was crying every day on the way to work because of mm. work. And on Sunday night, you got the Sunday scaries, right? You're like, I don't want to go. You're having so huge resistance to whatever you're doing, whatever unhappiness looks like for you. I would say if that's showing up, that's another good sign. That, uh, you should pursue, even if it's not the thing, a thing, right? Something other than what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I hated Mondays for most of my career, and I just sort of accepted that that is what people did. They just hated Mondays. And maybe, right, but maybe not. Maybe uh, hating one-seventh of your existence is like a just terrible plan. Uh, and and it, it became increasingly true to me and then what's fascinating now is like I don't really run my week in like a five-day schedule uh, but when I first got out of the military that's the first thing I did is I was like okay I it hit me on Sunday night like oh I don't have to go to work tomorrow and I also had hit me like how much I had dreaded Mondays my whole life so then I instantly in that moment like decided to make Mondays like my absolute best day of the week and so I just did all the things I like to do which was you know, morning routine, gym, massage, um, I had a couple other things. Uh, but that's what I did, like, as soon as I got out, and then I instantly realized, like, all of these things I had accepted as truth is, I just had accepted as truth, but that didn't mean that they were, you know, I was way yeah. happier. 
Yeah, and maybe this is me being like toxic positivity, as they call it. But sure. I was actually fine on Mondays. Like as much as Sunday, I was like, uh, I could get through Monday. I could amp myself up and be like, this week's gonna be different. You know, it's gonna be good. Tuesday, Tuesdays are the worst. Tuesdays, mm. Monday, I'd come crashing down. I was already tired. Like at least Monday, I was well rested and they had fresh food prepped. Tuesday was like, oh man. So if your work week gets worse every week too, <laughs> that's another one. I feel like if right. you can get through one day, but the idea of doing it again on Tuesday, ooh, that's that's a big one. Um, all right, what else? You know, I think I do think that it it would really benefit people to understand their own value system. I think it's like one of the deepest things that I teach. And the reason is because uh, if you can identify your values, you know, we, we have all this tough time making decisions in life. And usually like we'll make a pro and a con list, we'll ask a million people, and then right at the end, we'll do whatever we were gonna do anyway. Um, but I also found that, you know, if you pivot toward your value set, you'll have a sense of meaning in life constantly. Like that's where it comes from. It doesn't come from any other place. And so if you can identify what it is that you truly value and you find that, that the life you are living now isn't in alignment with that, now you know where the dissonance is coming from, you know? And so I would say- You know say where that, that stress is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know where, like, it, and that doesn't mean that it's not good for other people's values, but values are individual. They're not, there's some overlapping, of course, but for the most part, it's a very individual, what, it's a very individual thing and set of importance. And so you have to know what yours is. And if you live by others, like that, it's just a recipe for an unhappy life. So true. So really quick, let's just go through this. Morals is like what you think is right and wrong. Values is like what you think is important. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. And so if you want to like think about it this way too, values aren't just what you think is important. It's actually how you see the world. So mm -hmm. for example, if you and I both live in Colorado and I value adventure and outdoors and you, let's say, value, I don't know, something that the city gives you more of, and you and I will live in the same place but we'll have two, we're mm -hmm. in completely different worlds, right? I love Colorado and you hate it. The reason isn't because Colorado is different or anything at all. It's because our value systems are. And so it's not just what you think is important. It's, it's how you see the world too. And when people, you know, when people die for their country, it's because they value country over self. You, that doesn't happen any other way. And if you and mm -hmm. I see that and we don't think it's a shame, it's because our value system is probably set up somewhere similar, right? And so you can yeah. start to see like a lot of the world, a lot of our, especially a lot of our disagreement agreements, it's because we just have different values, right? 100%. So to, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, another one for me was just, you're not finding meaning in what you're doing. You feel like everything you're doing in your work day is pointless mm. um, or that no one cares or that you're not having any stimulating conversations right like not even the relationship a lot of times the, the job itself can be kind of blah but the relationships are rich um and that's the case for me with waitressing right now i waitress on the side and at, meh, serving food whatever but the people the people kind of keep me going back for more because i really like the conversations and i like the just the flavor of of being there and being part of the night and things like that um and so i feel like even a silly side job can feel like it has some meaning to it. And when it doesn't, man, is it rough. Yeah, man, is it rough, yeah, totally, yeah. right? Like it turns into an eternity so quickly. Yeah, yeah, the counting the minutes thing comes into play too. Totally, right? Like I, I really don't think in life we need more time. We need more moments that make us lose track of it. 
really. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And the things that make you lose track is another good way to figure out what you're oriented toward. Totally. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's your values. Totally. Um, there's another one that I said too, that, that it'd be time to pivot. Do you remember what it was? Um, you're constantly asking why, which is kind of like what I was just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you see ways that it could be done better. Like that was yes. massive for me in the military. I was like, why or what the hell are we, why are we doing it? This way? Yeah. Like, yeah. What? Um, and that actually is the thing that drove me to start my own businesses in the first place, which is like, I need to create something in the world that, that is not done so in such idiocracy that I'm seeing in my day-to-day -day life. And that's a, that's a million jobs for a million different people. Right? Like, I want out, help me. Um, yeah. I remember I remember tweeting, vividly remember tweeting this because I was worried I was gonna get quote unquote caught for tweeting this. But uh, I said, I whisper to myself, F the system at least 10 times a day. Yeah. And it was like, it was like, sometimes it's a good F the system. Like, you know, you're like, wearing my my Led Zeppelin shirt to the office f the system and like sometimes it's a bad f the system like why are things done this way like f the system and right. it's so funny how we all have those moments right where you're just like get me out of this so for sure um and then you and I had the same third point which I thought was really interesting you said if you know you're gonna hate your life in 10 years and I said if you can't see it continuing to build or be interesting for the next 10 years mm. like it needs to have longevity to it right yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't have vision, like what, what are we mm. doing? What are we going toward? Well, the, the truth is you don't know, actually. And that's the, yeah. that is the beauty of vision, right? Is that when you, when you do, when you, when you are in areas that you feel called to and you have a natural affinity for them, I do think that they, you begin to craft a picture of yourself in that way. And if you don't have that, like it's, um, it's just a really rough way to go about life right it just turns it's into rough. monotony um, depression get stuck in your own four walls kind of thing yes yeah totally. yes so i'm reading a book right now called the soul of money mm -hmm. have you ever read it no and i thought that it was gonna be i love this lately i've been doing this thing where i pick a book up and i think it's gonna be about one thing and it's totally different when i was like exactly what i need that's what oh, happened cool. with this book so this book is about the soul of money is about how to use your money to basically leverage or carry out or um, execute your soul's work. And so when the pursuit of money becomes actually a pursuit of executing your vision, the pursuit of money is no longer just the empty pursuit of money for material possessions and status and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the author, um, only in the beginning, like third of the book, but she's basically talking about how when she went from working for a fancier vacation, a fancier car and a second home, to working for she has a nonprofit um like everything shifted her whole mentality shifted her whole life got bigger her relationships became richer because she wasn't just talking to her own circle um and so i think that that's like important to bring up too is you may value money you need to value money life costs money to some extent but ultimately why you're getting that money and the vision right is so important and the other thing you just said that i could literally just go off on was like you don't ever really know the full vision. You're just following the next hunch, right? Totally. And the vision kind of gets clearer or gets more detailed and more fleshed out as you, as you go down that road. But it's not like you need to wait for the vision to be crystal clear and saturated and beautiful 
for you to start to take action toward it, right? You're just kind of leaning into this thing that life is pulling you into, right? Yeah, and I think if you knew all you were going to have to go through, you wouldn't go. <laughs> oh, that's that's a whole other conversation, but so true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I think, yeah, that's that's probably the toughest part, right? If you want to live this life of, let's say, purpose or meaning, you you are kind of only given the next step. And so your job is mm -hmm. to have faith in the fact that that's okay and that um, it's okay that, like, you know, other people have these massive retirement plans and that might not just not be your thing, right? And that's okay, too. It's allowing good opportunities to be good for the people that they're good for and then allowing yourself to have the you know, the, the leniency to pivot and go to where you feel called. Yeah. Now I have two more questions for you, just kind of about people who decide to pivot, right? Two questions for, for those people, from those people, whatever you want to call it. Um, how do you feel about people in relationships? If one person is, is, has pivoted and leaned into their purpose and the other person is doing the safer route, we'll say, mm -hmm. Um, how do you think that that plays out? Do you think people should be like-minded or evenly yoked in that category? Or do you think it can be kind of a beautiful balance? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I really think you have to figure out what it is that you want. <laughs> and so, um, mm -hmm. right. And so, you know, one thing that becomes really difficult is that if one person goes that direction and the other person doesn't, there's just, um, they might not understand. You know, they don't see the world in the same exact way. You know, there's that Bible verse about people being evenly, unevenly yoked. And yeah. one of the things that people always read into that is like whether one person sort of believes and follows God and the other doesn't. Um, and I would say that the reason that that's such profound wisdom is because you actually just need to see the world in the same way. Mm. As long as you see the world in the same way, like someone sees the stars the same way you do, then you can actually, you have a, you have a, you can navigate things with them, right? You can, you'll see obstacles as obstacles and you'll, you'll, you'll be able to be speaking the same language on really big problems. And if you don't mm -hmm. see the world in the same way, right, then I think that, that that's what's going to become difficult is that people won't understand. And so I see a relationship as a container for growth, right? And I see it as something I never want to be a prison. And I know that that's, mm -hmm. uh, contrary to how a lot of people see it right a lot of people think success in a relationship is did you marry this person and die with them like that's the only thing that mm -hmm. can be success but for me i feel like well maybe but i think that our souls are on a little bit of a bigger journey than that i think that that's part of it but it's not all of it i love that it's so true so yeah i think i'm on the same page with you is i always say the other person has to get it that's it like, right that's what they mean by evenly yoked they gotta get it they got to get it. And you know, when somebody gets it, you look at them and you're like, I like you cause you get it. And they know what it is. They don't say what. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? yeah you're on the same vibrational frequency. Wave for length. Sure. You have the same measuring stick for life. Right. You can kind of understand the whole, uh, for example, I'm working like three or four jobs right now. Nobody who didn't get it would understand why I was doing that. It's right. like, what you had one and now you have four. How was your life easier? And I'm like, well, it's just better. Like I swear it's better. Totally. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then another question is people who decide to pivot and there might be more than one pivot, right? Yes. It's like the yes. vision, as the vision gets clearer and clearer and clearer, it's not just like a one, a one left turn or a one right turn, um, but it keeps going. It's this endless, you sign up for this endless thing is what I'm saying. So 
how do you mentally prepare yourself, right? When you're, when you're jumping out of safety and into the deep end mm. for that, the fact that there's going to be 10 more deep ends that you have no idea about. Yeah. Or so, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So one thing that I would say just to put a bow on the, the previous point is um, if they don't get it, they have to want to get it. And that is mm. everything, right? So I don't understand all of the things that my partner comes to me with for sure. I, I desperately want to though, right? Like I, um, yeah. that's important. Otherwise, like we don't, most people that don't change it's because they don't want to, right? They don't see the things, but they don't want to see them that they need to change. And so, oh, that's good. and so it's just really important to understand like the desire has to be there. And like I said, I, like I said about your career, like if you want it, I do believe you can get it. I do believe you can mm -hmm. do it, but you got the desire is the seed for these things. It's gotta be there. Um, and then what was the next so question that you asked me? Oh, just how do you mentally prepare for knowing that there's going to be 10 more hunches you have to follow, not one? Hmm. Constantly telling myself and my clients that there's nowhere to get. I think in Western culture, we convince ourselves that like there's somewhere to get. And also it's always right around the corner, the next thing, like the next thing, the next amount of money, the next promotion, the next job. That's where my happiness is. That's where my contentment is. Wherever it is that we're supposed to get in this life, it's always right around the corner. And so you end up living that way. It's always just out of your reach. And so for me, like recognizing, and it took a lot for me to realize this, but all of the meaning I found in my life is in the unfolding of experience. There's never, it's never the attainment of the thing. The dream is the journey. And so, yeah. but allowing myself and my humanness that wants to, that wants to get it, wants to get somewhere, wants to say like, I have arrived and I have vanquished my troubles, right? Allowing that part- <laughs> I'm here, I did it. Right, right. Allowing that human part of me to just never be satisfied is okay, right? And you don't have to get all the things that you want, it's okay. But you realize if you can let go of that desire to act as if there's somewhere to get, if you can let go of that need, then you realize that you're actually just free to enjoy where you are and where you are is pretty awesome. Oh, I need to take a page out of your book. That was, that was really good. The, um, I think, you know, it's like the same people who say the next thing is a thing are also the same people who say 2020 hindsight was also the thing. And so they're never appreciating things in real time. It's always, always. what's coming and what's past. That's like the king, right? Yeah, That's a yeah. big sign for me is like, if I'm finding myself going a year ago, it was awesome. Two years ago, it was awesome constantly. And I'm not saying that about right now. It's like what practices or what, what things need to change so that I can appreciate right now. So that, that goes back to even the beginning of our conversation with the stillness thing. I think that's such an important part of appreciating the now is making those still moments, even if it's 20 minutes a day, to say like, yo, today, here's what's on my plate. I don't know. I don't fully get it, but I kind of get it. And I know I'm headed somewhere good and I'm thankful for that, right? Totally. Like, um, this is one of my favorite stories. I can keep it short, but like two years ago, <laughs> I was in uh, Vail, Colorado snowboarding and um, I was in the hot tub um, with this couple. They were like in their 70s and um, they were, uh, okay, so they were like lovers in college and then they, she left, she went to grad school, started her own practice in Ohio as a, psych, as a psychologist and he went and traveled the world on, uh, on, on like these sailing vessels and they met back up and they were like literally just hookups in college they met back up, hadn't seen each other for 30 years on Facebook, and they just started once a year, like, going on these epic vacations together, like, even <laughs> in college. Incredible, right? Like, her husband had died, like, all this life had passed. And anyway, so that was cool. But I was sitting in the hot tub, 
and I was asking her, uh, I was like, so in 30 years of dealing with people's problems, what have you learned? Like, there's got to be gold there, right? Like, what's, and she's like, you know what I learned? She's like, you know what? The secret is that the moment is always perfect. All the troubles oh. that you have, they're moments that have already passed or they haven't yet come and might not come. But the moment is always perfect. And that's always stuck with me as I like start to fall, fall into all the same things that as humans we start to worry about. Like, oh God, what am I going to do about this? It's like, but what, what about now? What about right in this moment? What's wrong? It's like, I always remember this old lady like being so high on life. Well, actually also just high, but I remember her just- <laughs> Well, I was <laughs> bail. Yeah, yeah, I was in bail. But I also just remember saying, you know, the secret is the moment is always perfect. Yeah. Wow. I love, I love the one sentence things that you carry like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, we all like, have a handful. Totally. And there's been so many times in my life where I, I can get to that truth. I can realize like, oh yeah, the things that I am struggling with, they're not right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So good. Any other things you want to put on the end of this conversation before I ask you about your business and your Instagram and your podcast and all the things? Um, no, I, no, I don't think so. I, I think, uh, really for me, it's like letting, it's been allowing myself to let go of the need to have answers you know I'm sure you recognize this as a podcaster and coach like people start looking to you to have answers and you can start putting a lot of pressure on yourself to have those answers um, mm -hmm. and the truth is like nobody's ever had an answer for me that was real like I always had to find it myself like I always had mm -hmm. to arrive at that insight myself um, and also too like the so-called answers that we think are going to vanquish all of our troubles like we've been talking about a lot of times like they're just there aren't those like we're not in this finite world where there we're playing finite games where there are ends you know that's why I wrote my last book because we have to live long after the credits roll and the sunset mm. comes back all the way around you know it's like there is mm -hmm. no happy ending so how do we contend with the mess of humanity and the inevitable heartbreak that's going to happen from living your life in, yeah, in that and manner? I, that's so good that's so good Rick um the the piece that you just said about having the answers too is I think a lot of times people, people have a question, right? They, they think if they had one more answer, then they could figure X, Y, Z out. Like I think mm. that's definitely real. And I think there, there is, you know, there's experts in different fields and I can tell you about the reverse diet and how it works and I can have an answer. Totally. But ultimately I think what people are actually after is not the answer, but someone to be there with them in the moment while they figure it out. And that totally. is why I love coaching. It's like, hey, I don't know the know the answers, quote unquote, any more than you do, but I'll stand here with you while we figure it out. And that mm -hmm. is so powerful. Yeah, and that's what you have to offer is humanity. Mm -hmm. Totally. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So what's happening in the next few months for you, personally uh, or professionally? Yeah, I mean, so right now I, I think like my life has changed quite, I mean, everybody's life has changed quite a bit. Um, I really took this last change though, the, the pandemic and everything as a time to, I had a whole speaking schedule that was planned and obviously it all got canceled. And so what do you do when you wake up and the world looks nothing like it did when you went to bed? And so for me, it was like, um, I really took that time to sit and um, be real contemplative about what I wanted with my life. And it's like, oh, here we are again, like another crossroads. I thought, you know, they just keep coming. Oh. Um, but anyway, so I've taken this time to like really 
hone my writing process and I'm uh, I also you know the other thing I did is I allowed the fear I felt to be felt like I I really like I'm I've lived my life in a way that like I don't have a lot of fear I don't notice a lot of fear like running my behavior and so when I when this pandemic went down though like I I had like real fear I was like I felt like I, you know until you understand what fear feels like in your body it's it's true that you'll probably make decisions to protect yourself from that feeling and so you won't mm -hmm. be in control of all those decisions and so allowing myself to like sit with that fear realize well what's the what's the real thing right what's beyond the pandemic what's beyond this and for me it was like this realization of um oh i just think i have more to give here i think my work's not done here that's that's the fear i feel like i i was kind of uh living half-heartedly in some ways which i know sounds crazy but just my own recognition and so i've really sat with all of that and i've used it to change the way that i'm going about business and the way that i'm going about my work in the world and so i'm really excited about just having this time to um, work through my process and, and the work that i'm going to produce from this it's time to recalibrate redirect get clear on the vision all over again right totally always right? yeah you're kind of always yeah. like having to vector back in and figure it out and ask yourself the tough questions I feel like it's a windshield wiper. I'm like, oh, there we go. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, there we go. There we go again, right? It's like you constantly have to revisit, revisit, refine, refine. Um, sure. You're working on a book though, right? I am, yeah. What's that book going to be called? It? Yeah, of uh, course I do. God, I don't know. Um, oh, you don't know? I'm sorry. No, I don't know. Yeah, I'm like really, <laughs> uh, I, I have a lot of it written, but I'm like really contending with what it's called. But I, I will say that it's, it's much more about the journey than it is the answers. It's called The Moment is Perfect. Just call it yeah, that. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Like I stole the title. It's fine. <laughs> right. She won't mind. Just call her and ask. She'll say, go for it. <laughs> um, and then your podcast. Your podcast is such a gateway drug for me. Just so you know. It was like, That's oh, there's hear. this thing. There's this thing called podcast. And they don't have to be an hour and 30 minutes long. Thank you for that so much. Yeah. I did over 100 episodes with... Oh, so this is a great for people to understand. Like I wanted to have a podcast for a long time and I just felt like oh, that's something I should have. I don't know. I feel like I have something to say, you know, and um, I would never, I was so scared to do it. And I, so what I did is I used it. I had a supplement company and I was like, Hey, we have these athletes that we sponsor. Maybe we should have them on a podcast. It was like, so I had all these like uh, co-hosts with me. We had a whole team and like, mm -hmm. I just, I was so afraid to just do the thing right? Like I just yeah. was afraid to sit down with a microphone and talk about my thoughts. And so I did over a hundred episodes of like interviewing guests and having other people on before, I think I did 130 episodes before I let myself do the morning coffee podcast, which is just like, oh, that's awesome. Talking. Um, and it, it did, it was way more successful than the other one, but also just funny because, or not funny, but also just a good learning point in that it took me forever to work up the courage to do that. Yeah. And then when you did, it was like this awesome thing. Like that is that if you ask me what my favorite podcast is, that's what it is. Um, I was listening to that every day on the gym, on the way to the gym in the morning. That was part of my stillness. It was the drive to the gym with the podcast. I love it. So your podcast is called Morning Coffee with Rick Alexander. If everyone, if everyone should go listen to it. I was going to say if anyone wants to listen to it, but I'm going to say everyone should go listen to it. At least an episode. It's not like a huge time investment, right? right. You have episodes still that are like 12 minutes. 18 minutes, right? Nothing crazy. And then yeah, there's some totally. longer ones on there. Yep. 
Um, yeah, they're both. So like we do like short concept episodes and then some that are like interview longer form. Yeah, that new Tropics one was long, but it held my interest for sure. I loved it. So oh, um, right, right. guys, check it out. Check it out. And where can my audience find you on Instagram? Will you just click give your handle? Yeah, at Rick Alexander underscore. So I try to like share a lot of the thoughts that I that you've heard today. I, like every day I try to share like some kind of thought or something. I love that. All right. Well, thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's great.